Welcome to Doctors of Tomorrow 56 podcast, a medical podcast for anyone ranging from middle school students to attending physicians, and for anyone interested in learning more about the medical field from all around the world. Welcome to this very exciting episode. Today we have a emergency medicine physician. So without further ado, we introduce Dr. Salazar. First of all, thank you so much, Dr. Salazar. You're welcome. Um, for your time. I'm an emergency medicine physician at UT Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas, Texas. Emergency medicine, so um, where I work, it's called an emergency department. Uh, like the older word is emergency room. That's what most people call it. But the way I like to think about it, we're not just one room. We are, you know, our department is 124 beds. So it's an entire department. And so my my journey um, began when I was really, really young. Uh, My grandfather is an orthopedic surgeon and um, and, uh, in Guatemala, where I grew up, in Guatemala, a lot of people, a lot of physicians have their clinics in their own homes. And so I literally, my grandma would watch us after school. So even as a toddler, I would um, I would be around the clinic. It was their house. Yeah. And so for as long as I remember, I grew up around uh, physicians and I always had that inclination um, growing up. I uh, was very fortunate to um, have a scholarship to attend Vanderbilt University after after high school, uh, where my major was neuroscience. Um, that allowed me the opportunity to explore um, many different things in sciences I'd never even thought about. Worked for a year in West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, at a hospital. That was the year where I really made the decision to go into medicine. So I applied to medical school and um, wind up matching um, my top choice. It was UT Houston Medical School, which is now called McGovern in Houston, Texas. Um, it was during my third year of uh, medical school that I made the decision to go into emergency medicine. Um, I always had a, um, an interest in, in trauma and emergency medicine, mostly through television, to be very honest with you. But uh, really, the story about me wanting to go into emergency medicine uh, is is actually pretty pretty funny. If you'd like to hear it, or I can leave it for another day, it's up to you. Um, we would like to hear that. <laughs> okay, so a lot of people have these moments of clarity of um, like something just kind of a patient happens, or uh, it wasn't like that for me. It wasn't really a uh, kind of a even a patient based decision. Um, during your third year of, um, of medical school, you do rotations in various uh, disciplines. When I was doing my obstetrics and gynecology rotation, um, you take call, which means you stay in the hospital for approximately 24 hours and you stay up all night and uh, taking care of patients. Part of my call team that day was another two medical students, um, an OB-GYN resident, and there was also an emergency medicine resident rotating with us. Um, I'll leave her name out of it, but I can tell you this. The moment she walked in wearing her white coat, said her name, mm-hmm. MD, and emergency medicine, I don't know what it was about her white coat and the word emergency medicine that just spoke to me. And I said, that's it. 
that's the moment I've been waiting for. So if there's a magical moment to make a big decision in life, that was that uh, kind of my passion to pursue something that was of interest to me. And I applied to uh, um, uh, an emergency medicine residency journey and emergency medicine began. For a lot of folks, an experience is mostly patient-based, you know, um, some of my colleagues who went into, say, orthopedic surgery, well, it was because they um, had a very interesting case during ro their rotations, or they found a mentor that, uh, in, in that happened to be an orthopedic surgeon. Um, and people have different reasons and motivations, but for me, it was just something about kind of the, the allure of emergency medicine of the ability to take care of anything, anyone at any given time, no matter what, no matter how young, how old, uh, I'm able to take care of everything. Um, and I'm dealing in a very stressful environment and, and, I have a skill set that not a lot of, not a lot of people in the world have, and so um, I think all of those things just kind of were summarized nicely, all in a nice name that said emergency medicine or yeah. white coat, and that was it for me. So, can you like tell us more about like what it is, like what your day in the life of an emergency medical doctor? Sure. Um, I work um, in shifts. My shifts are approximately nine hours give or take a little bit. And um, I work, I show up to my shift and we, um, the offgoing team that just finished their shift, we take their patients as they're finishing up their work and then we start seeing patients. Um, some days it's extremely busy. Uh, some days you walk into your shift and it's a little bit slower, a little bit lighter. Um, but uh, it's always a surprise. It is always a surprise. So I take care of any medical emergency that comes to the door, whether it's a patient with chest pain experiencing a heart attack, uh, which is, we call a myocardial infarction, or a patient with a significant trauma after a car accident, or a newborn with, uh, with fever, or a patient who may be 100 years old and um, they're experiencing some hip pain, for example. Um, we see patients with psychiatric emergencies um, who are having a really bad day. Some of them uh, can be suicidal. Um, we take care of patients in the um, LGBTQ uh, community, uh, patients who've had transplants of kidneys, lungs, etc. patients with uh, significant heart disease, and then gastrointestinal emergency, so on and on and on. So if you ever have an illness that is bothering you to the point that you have to go to a hospital, you're probably going to see a doctor like me. Oh. And so we do that for, for those uh, eight hours, and then we have kind of an overlap for about an hour in which we kind of tidy things up, make sure we um, have a disposition, we call it. We have a final, make a final decision on whether patients are going home or they're staying in the hospital. We need to run other tests. Uh, and then the incoming team that's coming in after us takes our patients that are still kind of in, in flux and we transition care over to them. I am an academician. I work in a medical center, so I have teaching responsibilities. So during my clinical shift, I teach our emergency medicine residents like I was. At some point, I teach them. I teach uh, medical students. I teach PA students. I teach nursing students. 
Um, and then I do quite a bit of work um, at the office and, and at home. And one of my latest uh, fun things has been uh, this pre-health outreach like I'm, I'm doing today, um, paying it forward. So what that means for me is uh, a lot of kindness that was shown on to me years back as a young pre-health with good mentors. Um, that kindness is now being uh, passed on to me. I think that's really wonderful, to be honest. Like, wow. Like, I hopefully one day I'll do the same to the next generation that comes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, did COVID impact your job? Yes. Um, COVID-19 um, is unlike anything that we've ever experienced. Um, we knew that there was this virus um, coming out of the Wuhan uh, province in China. We knew that um, it had spread to in some parts of the world. We started getting concerned when we had reports of, um, of a pandemic in New York City and Seattle. And um, we knew that sooner or later, um, it was gonna hit our doors and, and it sure did. Um, but when you're in emergency medicine, you don't close your doors. You don't say, no, I'm not gonna show up to work uh, or no, we're not open for business or no, you can't come here. We knew that we were the first line, the front line uh, against COVID-19 and uh, we would show up to work risking our lives. Um, and we uh, take every precaution to take care of ourselves and come home safely. So. Yes, it impacted everything from just how patients are allowed into the emergency department. For example, they all have to wear masks. We don't allow visitors, for example. Anytime we're seeing patients with cough, fever, anything suspicious of COVID-19, we wear our full uh, personal protective equipment or PPE, including N95 masks. Um, and uh, it impacts everything from where patients go. Say you come in with a, a broken hand and you need surgery, but you also have COVID-19. You can't just go to the same floor, same room as other people without COVID-19. So it's affected everything. But the biggest change for us was um, the mental um, aspect of it. The amount of mental energy you spend during the pandemic is much higher than before, just because you're always on the lookout. So um, I don't consider myself a hero. I am um, I'm just doing my job. But years down the line, when I look back on it, I'm going to be very proud of the work um, that we did. Uh, fearless, completely fearless. Well, we all want to say thank you for what you do every single day. Going there with like the positivity of like, I may get COVID, I may not, but it's my work. People depend on me. Wow. It's like, thank you. You're very welcome. Um, you know, it, it, one of the, the reasons I do this is because you guys also deserve quite a bit of praise. You guys are the ones staying home. You're the ones that are not being allowed in the clinical areas. You guys are the ones making sacrifices, having to digest education uh, virtually and remotely. So you guys serve a lot of praise for doing your part. Um, that helps me stay safe. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so medical school, how was it? Medical school, um, getting into medical school is tough. I, I think... Um, the, the reason it's tough is because you're essentially learning 
what you need to know to take care of the human body, which is the most complex thing you can ever imagine. How the body functions, how disease uh, makes it not function correctly, and what to do about it, and what you can do when that doesn't work. Um, it takes a lot of work to fully understand how to take care of, of a patient. And it's not just the physical sense, knowing what medication or what uh, procedure. It's um, the professionalism aspect. How do you communicate with a patient? How do you deliver bad news? And so you try to cram all of that knowledge into four years. And four years sounds like a lot, but trust me, you need far more than four years to fully understand medicine. I'm still trying to understand medicine. And so in your very early years of training in, in medical school, it constantly feels like a lot of people describe it as like drinking from a fire hydrant. Um, the amount of information coming at you and the amount of information and knowledge you're expected to, to master, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. And so in order to get into medical school, you have to be the cream of the crop uh, when it comes to, to students. And that's why it's tough. That's why we ask you uh, to take all these tests. That's why we ask you to interview. That's why we want you to do phenomenal uh, during your college years because medical school is very rigorous. Now, that's the tough part. I will tell you what my favorite part of medical school was. During your pre-medical years, um, things are very competitive, okay? Um, but when you get to medical school, all of a sudden you're thrown in a room with people who are very, very smart, but there's no competition in my opinion. You made it, you're there. And so all that I remember in terms of uh, kind of my classmates is camaraderie. Um, and some of the best friends um, that I'll ever I'll ever have. Uh, it's a medical school. You're going through such a such a rigorous, such a stressful time in your life, and going through it with people that you really like, who are smart, who are go getters, is is really special. Um, so that would be my favorite part. And then I think the yeah, the third um, item that everybody should know is um, the opportunity to start. Um, becoming and acting like a physician is pretty, pretty special, you know, to have your first patient, to do your first procedure, to deliver your first baby. Um, all of these things kind of are just a beautiful mix of, of things piled onto for four years. So if you want that kind of experience, if that's for you, put in the time now for sure. So... Would you say that shadowing is like very important to um, get into medical school? I think that um, shadowing is very important. The, the term that we use is observation. We want students um, to have a little bit of exposure to medicine, to know what they're getting into because medicine um, is glorified uh, on television and by TV shows, and it's far from glorious. We work really hard. Um, you deal with stress. You deal uh, with patients who are having the worst day of their lives. Sometimes they're not very nice to you, um, and you sacrifice your family. Sometimes you can't make it to your child's birthday party uh, or to your wedding anniversary dinner. And so we want students to have a bit of an opportunity to kind of experience that. So yes, observation is 
is uh, very important. But I'm going to share a little secret with you. It has to be beyond observation. You have to live it and you have to start demonstrating a life and a commitment to service very early on. It may not be in a hospital. It may not be in a clinic. But what I really care about is working with folks who are truly, truly humanistic. I really like to see applicants who have spent time volunteering at food pantries, uh, seeing individuals who have um, done projects for their community, helping the elderly, helping the young uh, in clubs, etc. So uh, it, it has to go beyond observation. Just you're watching. You have to be involved in your community and demonstrate a life of service. So would you say that all your work and all your, like, your stress and everything was worth it at the end? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um, when you embrace it, when you're prepared, when you train a lifetime, you can deal with the stresses of, um, of medicine much better um, in the long run. And so definitely worth it. I get to do a job that not a lot of people in the world get to do comparatively to take uh, somebody's life into your hands and, and make a bad situation into a positive one. And also be present when things don't go as you plan, when somebody dies um, under your care. Um, to be able to participate in somebody's life at, at those moments is also a privilege, it's an honor. Um, and so all the sacrifices that you that you made are, are well worth it when you're allowed to participate in, in a patient's life like that. But do you say that um, clubs like HOSA are like good? Yeah, definitely. I think the uh, the networking that can take place, the camaraderie, the mutual support that can take place, um, uh, those things are phenomenal for, for a pre-health and not just pre-meds, uh, pre-nursing, pre-PAs, uh, pre-respiratory therapists, uh, EMS students. These organizations really allow you the opportunity to network uh, aggressively, be around um, like-minded individuals, uh, share knowledge, and also open the doors. One of the biggest secrets in, um, in medicine is that um, you never know when you're going to run into somebody else uh, um, later later in life. And you want to establish positive relationships really early on in your career. Um, I was talking to a pre-health earlier today, and uh, we were discussing how he was going to go to Houston to do an internship uh, and research. And I told him the biggest piece of advice that I have for you is spend the time with that group, get to know them well. Um, go out to dinner with them, work hard. You never know when those individuals are going to cross paths with you again. So these organizations should have that same feel. These individuals are going to be your colleagues down the line. Oh, what do you? When you first started, were you ever like scared you might do something wrong? Um, you're always you're always concerned that you're going to disappoint yourself. You're always concerned that you're not going to do the best for your patient. You're sometimes concerned that you may harm the patient. Um, and But that's what school is all about. That's why we ask you to spend four years. And during those four years, it's tough. It's hard. And uh, when a lot of your friends who graduated college with you are probably um, already have a job, already have a uh, career, they're making a paycheck, 
and you're on a Saturday night, you're studying your, your butt off. Um, that's what we ask you to make these, these, these sacrifices. It's yeah, absolutely. Many times I was, I was scared that I was not going to do the right thing, but trust me when I tell you the process is very, very tight and it's designed to help you succeed. So, um, we promise that if you get there and you put the work in and you do your part, we'll do our part. You're going to be a phenomenal clinician and that fear is going to go away. So I can now walk into work fearless wow that's like really wow okay um how many years did it take you like the college um medical school and then residency and then <laughs> yeah so after after high school you do four years uh for your undergrad then um i took one year my my growth year i don't like the word gap year Okay. Not everybody has to to get one, but I I did. Then four years of medical school, so we're at five. Then three years of residency, that's eight. And then some of us want even more uh, specialization. So I decided to do a subspecialty in emergency medical services, ambulance service, uh, fire department, law enforcement, um, anything that happens before a patient gets to the hospital, I learned. Uh, I learned about. So that was that's called a fellowship, and those were two years after that. So you do the math. It's uh, it's it's quite a bit of work. And then um, this will be my twelfth year. I'm in my eleventh year. I'll I'll start my twelfth year as faculty at UT Southwestern in in July. So incredible how a young uh, pre-health pre-med from from Dallas, Texas, is um, gonna. 12 years in into a um, an academic career, so but it's a it's a long road for sure. But it's all worth it at the end. Totally worth it, absolutely. I think um, somebody asked me this question a while back, and and I'm and I got really tired of trying to uh, come up with something profound or say something that was uh, just very generic. So I really wanted to bring something that I thought would be a value that I actually put into play in my life that I think was valuable. So uh, the way I can best describe it is that a, a lot of pre-healths um, think that the path to medicine is just very linear. It's a straight line. And they're so focused on staying on that path that they forget about that all along the way, all along the path, there are these beautiful trees, these beautiful flowers, beautiful animals, um, different sites. And pre-healths have a tendency to not want to stop and enjoy that beautiful tree, that beautiful animal. Okay, so I equate that to your journey in medicine. Don't be so linear in your path that you forget about the important things in in your life that can bring value and growth to you, uh, your family, your friends. Don't forget that there along the way, you may fall in love with something else, if not a person, even a career. And it is perfectly okay for a pre-health to look at those paths outside of medicine and sometimes even follow them. You never know. So keep your eyes open, guys. Don't be so linear. Always pay attention to the little things around you that call your attention. At the very least, acknowledge them. You never know where life is is going to lead you. And if you're meant to go into that straight path, you'll get there. But take the time to always look around you and take care of yourself, take 
family, your hobbies, your physical health, your mental health, uh, and those that are dearest to you? Well, I think that's a very great advice, to be honest. So do you have any, like, anything else to say to the young people, the young future generation of doctors or healthcare professionals? Yeah. Um, folks always um, usually um, think of medicine as, um, you know, I am going to just be great. Uh, I'm going to learn how to do all these things and I'm going to make a lot of money. Um, and um, I'm here to tell you that if you're not going into medicine for the right reasons, you're not going to last very long and you're not going to be very happy in medicine. The reason you should want to go into medicine is to serve other human beings and to serve other human beings, it takes sacrifice because human beings don't work nine to five. They don't need your nine to five. Sometimes you got to get up at three o'clock in the morning because one of your patients is now in the hospital sick and guess what? You got to go. That's true service and that's self-sacrifice. And uh, if you think that you're going to just gather the paychecks and the glory and the accolades and that's what you're after when three o'clock rolls around and your patient's in the hospital and you don't want to go that's going to hit you really really hard and so think about this very very hard i do encourage you to seek a career in medicine but it's um it's got to be for the right reasons and when you get there, you'll figure it out if it's right for you. But this is the moment to start making some of these decisions. Is this lifestyle that you that you want? Are you willing to not attend your child's birthday party or miss dinner with your parents or not go on that trip because a, an emergency came up or get home late for, for dinner or have to work in during night hours? There's a lot of sacrifices that go into being a healthcare professional. And so you got to ask yourself, are you ready to be of service to other human beings? And are you ready to make those sacrifices that it takes to take care of those human beings? And then if you do, you're going to do a phenomenal job. Wow. Because like, I know many people that may be listening. They're like, oh, something like this doctor makes this much. This one like makes this much. And like, yeah, I want to become that because of, yeah, that, like the money. But like now, as you, as you just said, the money, you, we shouldn't think about the money when we want to become a doctor. We just think about yeah. the people that we will be impacting. Some of the, the richest um, physicians and colleagues that I've known throughout my career have been some of the most unhappy and some of the ones with the, uh, the home life, um, that's been the worst. And so money doesn't equal happiness, guys. Go into it for the right reasons. If um, Speaking of observation, if I may pitch my, my virtual clinical observation program, we run a monthly program. Um, every, the first Thursday of every month, we ran one last night. It's a physician panel. We have cases. Uh, we have recordings of patient encounters. We have rapid fire cases, Q&A, including live questions. And we house this in our learning management system where students can look at past lectures. They can track attendance and print certificates. And the website is www.vcop. Dot WS, virtual clinical observation program dot WS. 
I think I will even like go into it and like look at it. Yeah, please do. <laughs> okay, so uh, it's your weekly schedule. Like as you just said, you might get a call at three a.m. and you you have to go, or else somebody may die. So, what would you say to like your weekly schedule? I generally work at the very least six days a week. Um, sometimes seven days a week. Some some days, some weeks, I don't get a day off. Um, I generally am going to work on the low end, approximately fifty hours. On the high end, uh, as many as seventy-five hours. Um, I do clinical work. Uh, so the days that I do clinical work, I do very little administrative work uh, and education work. On the days that I do heavy administration and educational work, I generally don't work clinically. Um, so most weeks I have uh, two to three clinical shifts and the rest of the um, the days I do educational activities like put uh, presentations together, give presentations in my administrative duties uh, at the hospital and university level include going to committee meetings, uh, being the chair of some of these uh, committees that help with the clinical processes that go into running, running a hospital. Um, I do some volunteer work, like I consider this volunteer work, for example, that's a form of volunteerism. Um, and uh, I've gotten more and more now into kind of virtual learning and innovative learning platforms. I do quite a bit of work with virtual reality, uh, developing um, content and training tools in virtual reality. So I'm always, I'm always busy. I'm always uh, uh always a little restless. I, I need to have something to do. And so this, this career suits me just fine. Um, some weeks I sleep better than, than others. If I have to work a night shift, um, I'm not going to sleep as, as well. Some other weeks, the clinical load has me working strictly day shifts and I, I get to sleep on, in my own bed. But uh, sometimes, yeah, I, I do have to take those phone calls in the middle of the night and uh, you have to be there because people rely on you. So what would you say is like your daily patients? Like what what do you see on a daily basis? If I'm working clinically, I'm generally going to see uh, in the neighborhood of approximately two to three patients an hour. Um, and that doesn't sound like a lot, but consider if, um, consider three, three folks come in, those three folks come in within that hour and I see them all. One of them has a heart attack. All the work that goes into taking care of a patient with a heart attack. While I'm taking care of that patient, another patient comes in and this patient may have bleeding inside of their brain after they fell, okay? And so all the work that goes into taking care of, a, of one patient now with a heart attack, one patient with bleeding inside the brain, and then you may have a child who fell off their bike and they have a fracture of their humerus. And all of the work that goes into taking care of that child, the x-rays, uh, making sure we have the right immobilization equipment, the medications that they need for pain, etc. So all of a sudden you have to manage all of these folks and that your day is not there. In the next hour, you're going to get another set of folks uh, just as sick if not sicker and so guys when i tell you that we work hard as physicians we work very hard some days we don't get to eat breakfast most days i don't get to eat lunch i don't get to eat dinner 
but we do it because remember it's a life of service not mm -hmm. uh, to rack up the money did you stay motivated during all those 12 years of being a doctor it's um it doesn't come easy and some days you're going to struggle with that aspect of things uh some days you're going to struggle with with motivation some days you're so tired you just took a big test um, you have another one the next day and then the next day after that and um remember that life doesn't stop just because you're in medical school you know your parents can make it sick or you go through a breakup or um, your finances are not doing too well and you haven't been able to afford groceries. All of these things happen. Life never stops. And so the, uh, the best advice that I followed and that I try to give myself is that I can only accomplish one thing at a time and I can't make everything perfect. So um, some, some days I had to refocus myself um, to the task at hand and sometimes I had to rely on my family, uh, on friends for help with some of the things that were a little outside of my, my control. Um, I think the biggest piece of um, things to avoid though are doing things that are destructive when you're going through a tough time like drinking alcohol and using drugs to try to cope with the stress um, that you go through. I think that's the worst possible thing that anybody could do. And I have many colleagues and I had many classmates who who went down that route because it's it's tough. So uh, learn to refocus your yourself um, and rely on your support network for some of the things that they, could, they can help you with because life never stops. How was Vanderbilt, your undergrad? Yeah. Um, when I was applying to looking at colleges, etc., cetera, uh, remember that high school is a time for you to show what you're made of. You're growing up, learning to be an adult, um, but uh, those academic years are very important. And depending on how you perform in, in high school really determines um, how good your opportunities can be later on in life. Okay, so the work that you're putting in now at the high school level is important. And I took that very, very seriously. And I excelled in high school. I did phenomenal in high school. I worked my tail off and I made a lot of sacrifices. And um, when the opportunity came along to to look at um, colleges and universities, one of the places that attracted my attention was Vanderbilt University. And my first exposure to Vanderbilt was actually in the form of a, of a very, um, very cool, well put together, colorful um, information packet that they mailed. It had the, the gold seal of Vanderbilt University in the front and a picture of the beautiful campus. Um, and just like the, I told you my story about seeing my colleague with emergency medicine on her coat, same thing was with Vanderbilt. Uh, I said, wow, those guys took the time to put something uh, this nice together and were nice enough to send it to me. I, I owe it to them to take a, take a look. So I, um, I applied to Vanderbilt and I was very fortunate to uh, qualify for a, um, an academic merit scholarship. Um, the moment I arrived uh, on campus for a visit, I knew that that's where I wanted to go. Um, I loved the campus. I loved the atmosphere. I loved the weather in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Vanderbilt, of course, has a phenomenal reputation for, for academics. 
And um, the moment I stepped off the bus onto campus, I knew that's where I wanted to go. And so uh, my four years at Vanderbilt were were magical. Um, don't get me wrong, tough, tough. The academics are tough. Being a pre-med at Vanderbilt University is tough, but all offset by amazing classmates. You know, you're a kid from Texas and you start meeting kids from all over the world and your world just opens up in front of you and in a beautiful campus with awesome athletics, with awesome opportunities to to travel uh, within Nashville and in Tennessee. So my, my experience at Vanderbilt was nothing less of uh, nothing less than, than magical. So I will I will cherish my years at Vanderbilt quite a bit. Um, so I'm pretty sure the same thing that happened with like applying to college happened with applying with medical schools. Yeah, definitely. Now the um, what's quite a bit different is in, in medical school, um, the process is much more rigorous. Um, you have to put uh, personal statements. Uh, together, you gather a lot more documents than you did for college applications and for medical schools. You have to interview. Uh, many most colleges don't don't ask you to interview. Uh, in medical school, you do, um, and you gotta fly yourself to wherever you're going. You gotta find a place to stay. You gotta find your suit um, to go go to your interview. You gotta find a way to get there. You gotta practice your interviews and. And uh, it's very much a job, okay? Medical school, you got to consider it like a, like a job interview. So a uh, similar process, but just a lot more involved, um, a lot more stress, a lot more decision-making that takes, that takes place. Um, and for the first time in, in, your, in your life, you know, like, wow, it really hits you. This is, this is it. This is my career now. I've made a decision. I'm, I'm going to become a doctor. And so it's um, it's also a, a wonderful time of of your life, um, and uh, every every person that goes into it has different experiences. My experience was like, wow, okay, uh, like this this really is it. It's really happening. Everything that I've been dreaming about since I was a toddler is 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 finally finally happened. So uh, when you're at the high school level, uh, the focus should be on finding a school that you can afford. Um, preferably to travel easily to and from home and not too far from your parents. But if you have to go far away from your hometown, that's perfectly okay. Um, but um, just remember that there are four years of your life. Go to a place where you want to go that attracts you, that that is calling you. Don't go to a place strictly because you think it's, it's going to help you get into medical school better. That shouldn't be the only reason why you're doing it. For me, Vanderbilt was it. And it, it checked all the boxes. <laughs> and so I would advise those, especially middle schoolers, uh, high schoolers, take an opportunity to uh, travel a little bit, get to know the world, get to know and get to learn different skills. Um, because right now is really way too early to start thinking of yourself like a doctor. I see that a lot. Um, sometimes our, even our parents have designed this for us and they want us to be doctors and you're going to be a doctor no matter what. But sometimes your heart's not really into it just yet. It may never be. And so take the opportunity to, to learn the world a little bit, get to know your community, do quite a bit of volunteering, get to know your neighbors. Um, that to me 
makes for a much better applicant later on are folks that are just really well-rounded, really mature, really well put together instead of just this linear. It's like my parents want me to be a doctor and that's the only thing that's that I'm going to be and there is nothing else that I'm ever going to do in life that's going to bring meaning. I think that's crazy, to be honest with you. So, yes, it's okay to have high expectations of yourself and from your family, but uh, don't do yourself a disservice. Always look around, pay attention to those beautiful flowers and the trees and the animals just right outside your path. You never know what's going to catch your eye. Yeah. Wow, that's like a really great advice. I post um, quite a bit on my Instagram accounts, uh, G Salazar underscore tx2020 um and so i put pictures updates uh you know some life advice uh things about the program etc so um yeah if you guys want an interesting and engaging account to to follow please um go in there I, it should be a good one for you thank you so much dr salazar for your time You're welcome um, welcome guys y'all take care and keep working hard okay and we really hope that our listeners learned a lot and got inspired thanks to all your tips and information. And we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye. Bye.